Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandavel disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years, ever since I first covered it as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favourite podcast app. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. The longer we live with COVID-19, the clearer it's taking an enormous toll on our mental health. The Dose has done episodes on managing anxiety, living with isolation, stress, and other threats to our well-being. Now we're dealing with yet another emotional challenge, a holiday season unlike any other, when most Canadians are being asked to hunker down within our own households to prevent the spread of the virus. And it's winter, a time when many people feel down at the best of times. There's hope for sure. A COVID-19 vaccine is coming, but we need to get through the coming months first. So today on The Dose, I'm joined by Steve Jordans, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. He's here to help us answer the question, how can I stay mentally and emotionally healthy as COVID disrupts the holidays? Hi, Professor Jordans. Welcome to The Dose. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Are the emotional challenges people are dealing with right now different than they were last March when this all started? Well, I, I think different in, in tenor a little bit. When this all started in March, I think we were all feeling rather extreme anxiety, and that might have been a new feeling for, for some of us. And it, it's a very natural reaction to threat. Um, it's, it's literally our fight or flee system, and, and it does encourage us to kind of either take on that threat directly, the fight part, or to get the heck away from it, uh, the flea part. And when the virus first came, of course, we didn't really know how to fight it very well. We certainly couldn't flee and it just didn't go away. So, you know, from that point on, many of us have been living in a state of chronic stress, chronic anxiety, uh, and that wears us down after a while. So I think a lot of us are feeling that exhaustion. Maybe we've put on a little bit of weight. Um, Our immune system might actually be not as strong as it used to be as a a function of that. And, And that's why, you know, we really need to, in my opinion, understand this anxiety reaction and do what we can to manage it because it is something that can be managed. And of course, now the holiday season is upon us. Unfortunately, just as Canada is at a crisis point in trying to control the spread of COVID-19, what are you most worried about from a mental health perspective at this time? Well, um, you know, I I really see as we go into winter, the the trick is we've been riding this for a long, long time. We are mentally exhausted. And now coming into this holiday season, when this is traditionally a time when we kind of, if if we think of it this way, we emerge from the drudgery of life. Worries we have about, you know, paying bills and stopping to pick up stuff and renovations we have to do on the house. In our holiday season, we kind of rise above that. And we, we spend time you know, with our family and sort of re-engaging with the things that really bring meaning to our life. And so I think at this time, to be denied that thing we need so badly and just you know, feel that, that warmth that's you know, embodied in no better way than a hug with you know, somebody you love, that brings so much comfort and so much safety, feeling of safety. Uh, and so to be denied that um, after all this time it is really hard. Now, you know, one of the things I do like to suggest to people, though, is 
the, the cool thing is it is looking better. We are at a point now where we can start thinking about next Christmas. And so if we have ah. to make sacrifices this year, you know, maybe we can start to think, ah, but what can we, what can we plan for next year? Let's, let's make up for this and let's start planning something with our family that we can all really look forward to and kind of hold on to. And meanwhile, find other ways of being together, obviously, during this year. But, but I think looking towards a year from now is, is fair game now. We'll talk about some of those other tips uh, that that you have to reframe this experience for us in a few moments. But I want to I want to ask you another question about about the time of year. This is the time of year when some people are prone to be depressed and yeah. to have thoughts of self harm. Are you saying that with COVID we can expect more people to be feeling that way this year, uh, or is it just that the people we would expect to have these thoughts are feeling them worse? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really hard to know. I don't know if anyone's sort of taking a temperature of, of every everybody as we're going through this, but I, I don't think we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing a lot of depression. There's, there's absolutely no doubt. Um, there may be reasons to not to not worry that there's going to be some sort of huge surge in depression. And part of those are often depression is, the real focus of depression is a sense of worthlessness, a self-worthlessness and, and a feeling that, you know, no matter what I do, things always turn out badly. And, you know, with, with what's going on now, it's clearly an external source. So, you know, even for example, somebody who loses their job, that, that can be a very traumatic experience, you know, anytime. And, and it certainly can make you feel anxiety. Does it make you feel depressed? Well, if you're the kind of person that feels like you were the reason you lost your job and, and should you try to get another job, it won't matter because you'll lose that job as well. You know, that's a sort of depressive mindset. Whereas now I think, you know, we all know that jobs are going away because of this freaking virus and, and the virus will go away and the jobs will come back and it's still horrible and anxiety provoking and, you, you know, paying the bills and all of that stuff. But it may not be so much a, the kind of situation that breeds depression. I, I really feel like anxiety is the dominant mental health concern now. And in a way, that's a good thing because as, as uncomfortable as anxiety is, it's not as dangerous as depression is. What signs should people be watching for that they may be in a downward spiral? Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we, again, now we have have these sort of two states to talk about. So anxiety, that's one of the things too, that I often argue is that we, we aren't always very good at recognizing. One of the things I recommend that we can extend to depression as well is this idea of a buddy system. You know, I, I really think one potential silver lining uh, in all of this is this is a great time for us to learn about things like anxiety and depression. You know, maybe take an online course, get a sense of why we react this way. You may be in a better position to recognize that in your friend than your friend themselves is. And so I think this is a great time to have a buddy system going and, and to use it to call each other out to say, hey, you know what, um, I, I think you're acting a little anxious right now, to which the person will respond, I am not, because that's the fight and flee reaction. And you can say, oh, there's the fight coming out. Uh, and if the person is knowledgeable enough, they can say, oh, man, maybe I am. Mm. And let me check in. And what's that feel like? Uh, and once they get to know that, 
that's the first step to, to being able then to manage it, to take the steps to manage it. So I think with depression, anxiety, yeah, learn the, the sort of symptomology. And, and when you see that sort of unplugging from, from life, like a, a disregard for social interactions uh, and a seeming desire just to stay alone with oneself and, and that real feeling of low self-esteem and low self-worth, if you get hints of that, it's time to reach out for help. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this analogy that we're all in the same boat, and it's pretty clear now that the impact is not equal, that we're not all, you know, we may be in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. So who's particularly vulnerable right now when it comes to mental health challenges? There are different pockets for different reasons, but but one of those pockets is, you know, anybody who might find themselves a little more isolated socially, um, and, and especially there are there were a lot of people for whom social interactions would happen organically. They would go out to the market and they would meet certain people and they would chat with them. And, and now that they're not going out anywhere, they are home alone. Uh, and, and for these people, it's a real challenge because our, our go-to strategy for grief or fear or anxiety or any of those negative emotions is to connect with the people we love. And so one of the things I recommend, intentionally create social interactions. Don't, don't rely on them happening organically because they don't. So maybe get some, like, almost like we used to have pen pals, but have phone buddies and say, you know what, how about we watch some show together, some stupid show, doesn't matter, Masked Singer. We'll watch The Masked Singer. I, I shouldn't have called that a stupid show. I'm sorry to all those of you who love it. Uh, but, um, you know, a show like that where we say, you know, after we watch it, let's just call each other and let's talk about the show and whatever. It doesn't matter what we talk about. In fact, the words almost don't matter. Mm. What matters is those grunts and what you just did to me right there. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that says? Yeah. And, and even better, the laugh out loud. You know, that was a real laugh out loud. And when you laugh out loud, I feel a little bit of that. Those nonverbals tell us that that person is listening. And that's what we need to feel, that human connection. Have times during your day that you spend connecting with other human beings. Find other people that are isolated and, and, and you know, maybe use this as a chance to help each other. Um, and that's, you know, very one powerful way that subgroup can deal with it. But uh, we, there's so many we could go through. We have, you know, mothers of young children, which is a whole different story. Uh, we have couples who maybe aren't getting along very well, who are both in this sort of fight or flee reaction. So I, I think your anal analogy is absolutely great. It is the same storm, but it's almost like every one of us is in a, in a subtly different boat that has subtly different stressors um, that we have to wrap our minds around and try to find strategies to deal with. So let's apply that thinking to the holidays, which we are approaching. Public health officials are pleading with us to celebrate within our own households to avoid family and friends who don't live with us. So what about people who live alone and the psychological impact of, of these holidays that are almost upon us? Yeah. I mean, always uh, we have the, you know, the so-called sad season, the seasonal affective disorder where there's just not as much sunlight, not as much vitamin D, which is, by the way, one of the things um, people could consider at this time supplementing with some vitamin D, not too much. Um, you can have too much, uh, but but vitamin D can help you with a, with a better mood state. Uh, but generally, you know, anybody who is alone before um, during the holidays, one of the thing that things that's hard on them is knowing that so many other people are getting together and, and they might not have that connection. Um, and, and now we're all kind of in that boat where none of us are supposed to be getting together with anybody. You know, how do we 
get that sort of mojo of, of feeling connected to other people. Um, I, I love to, you know, come up with things like um, karaoke. It's hard to do karaoke over Zoom. Um, you have, yes. have to sort of take turns. But if you do kind of take turns and the other people listen while you're singing or, or doing silly things like that, where you can all kind of laugh at each other, um, stress produces cortisol. Laughing, dancing, singing, um, those sorts of activities produce uh, endorphins, which kind of counter the effects of cortisol. So I, I highly recommend that we all see those things as medicine now. And if, if we learn that something makes us laugh or, you know, one of my favorite things is as a gift for Christmas, if you can give somebody a playlist of music that, that either you know those songs are connected to good memories for that person, if you know them well enough, or just pick songs that were popular when they were 15 to 20 years old, wherever they lived create that playlist and maybe, you know, have a zoom session where you say, I, I want to sort of listen to your playlist with you. And, and what you'll tend to see is that person singing along and kind of dancing and their mind being brought back to a pre COVID time. Uh, and that's a really nice way for kind of giving them an escape from, from where we are. Music can bring us to, to the past and to good places, view it as medicine, schedule it into, into our day. You know, use it regularly like you would take a vitamin, but say, no, no, I'm going to take my little Beatles one break now. And I'm going to put Beatles one on and sing along with all the songs because I know them all. We'll be right back. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's shift gears now and, and talk about kids. The holiday is certainly going to look different for many children this year. Some have financial difficulty. Some can't be with extended family. What tips do you have for talking to kids about these sorts of things? Yeah. The first thing is to recognize how much they resonate with your emotional state. Uh, and so one of the reasons that parents kind of have to get their stuff together during all this and, and sort of learn how to manage and, and feel in control is because if they don't, if, if they sort of lean on that more neurotic side and, and they're modeling, you know, a really worried kind of panic state, um, that's going to affect children where they live, which is their safety. You know, they want to feel safe and secure. Mm. And so as much as possible, you know, the, the first thing that a parent needs to do is kind of model control. And, and one of the examples I like to give of how you can do that is, do you know somebody in your neighborhood or in your extended family who may be, um, you know, a little more isolated, who may not have as much social contact? Could you adopt that person for the next three months? And say, you know, our family is going to adopt some people. And what that means is we are going to commit to, you know, maybe once or twice a week, reaching out to that person, seeing how they're doing, telling them what we're doing. And if you can involve the kids in this, and if you can convince them, you're doing this to help that other person um, as, as, as we all struggle through COVID. 
that will make the children feel empowered. It will make them feel like they're having a positive impact. And so, yes, you will help that person you adopt, but you will also help your children by kind of saying, you know, we're not victims. And, and that's a very important. Uh, we're not victims here. We are fighting a virus. And, and the way we're fighting it is keeping essentially keeping food supply away from it. We are its food supply. We are its hosts. So if we keep the bodies away from it, then it will not grow to the same extent and our healthcare workers will be able to fight. So it's a very active thing we're doing by staying out of its way. Um, and other active things we can do, like help those who need it, will we'll provide a more of a sort of fighting spirit in the kids, uh, an empowered kind of approach. And, and that's very important. We don't want them to feel victimized by this. And as I say this, of course, my eight-year-old granddaughter says COVID has ruined her life. So... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if my family's walking the walk so well, but that's, uh, but that's the kind of you know, spirit you don't want. And, and you want to try to make them feel like we're doing all we can and we're being active. And of course, that contact that you're talking about when you talk about adopting someone in, in the neighborhood could be virtual. It doesn't have to be in person. Hundred percent. You know, I, I really, I really love phones. Um, I, when I talk to young people these days, it's always funny to start talking that way. But I say, hey, you know, uh, Stranger Things. Did you watch that Stranger Things show? And of course, oh yeah. yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> We're still waiting for the new season. There you go. And you say, you know where they show these kids laying on the bed in the eighties, talking to each other on the telephone for hours. Yeah, we did that. And that's been kind of lost. We do these, you know, shallow text messages or sharing or whatever. Even the Zoom things, the nonverbals aren't right in the Zoom things. Uh, you can't look somebody in the eye properly. Plus, if someone's on their computer, they're probably distracted by other things that are right in their face. When it's a phone call, when you pick up the phone, you tend to attend to the person. Uh, yes. And it also simplifies, and, and you're a podcaster, so you would have the same idea. The channel becomes simplified to become the information, the words being shared, and the nonverbals, the grunts, the groans, the laughs, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that nonverbal, as I suggested before, is really critical. So I highly recommend, yeah, adopt these people and call them. Just a good old-fashioned phone call. Keep it simple. Keep it human. Um, and, and that's where I think the greatest mojo lies. Even before COVID, it was clear that not everybody finds joy in the holidays. What can you tell us about that? Um, you know, maybe you find yourself in a, in a place where you hoped to be in a better place. You know, maybe your social network isn't as strong as it would be, or your family situation isn't, isn't what you'd like it to be, um, or even your employment, you know, where you are. Uh, and so for a lot of these people, holidays have this way of kind of making us reflective, making us kind of sit and look at, at where we are. Uh, and, and for some people, that's not an enjoyable thing. You know, what they see is, is not what they like. And especially, you know, we are social beings. And, and for those people who do not have a family to be with or, or connect with, uh, that's just so palpable during the seasons. It's, it's so obvious to them. So you've mentioned a few great ideas already, like using the phone. But what are some other solutions and coping strategies to help people stay emotionally healthy during the holidays? There's a skill that I can't do justice to on a podcast other than to mention it and encourage people to learn more. Uh, and that's the skill of, of literally summoning relaxation over your entire body. You cannot be both anxious and relaxed at the same time. Uh, and so if you're feeling anxious, you, you can't focus on the anxiety and say, stop feeling anxious. It'll, it'll just make it worse. But you can learn instead to say, okay, relax. 
Uh, and, and so one way to do that is by checking out so-called guided relaxation audio uh, files that you can find online. Just search for guided relaxation. There'll be somebody who will walk you through this, this process that will leave you feeling extremely relaxed. And so first of all, this is a great thing to do before bed. Um, it will help you get a good night's sleep, which is, which is super important to your mental health in general as well. But part of the process is you know, when you're relaxed, being, being very mindful what that feels like. What does my body feel like right now? And maybe even associating it with a word. My favorite is beach. So I'll say to myself, beach, beach, beach. And you think of that state and you think of that feeling. If you get to know that feeling well enough, then I sometimes call it like a Star Trek, you know, that um, where you could beam me up, Scotty, kind of thing, the teleporter. Um, it's kind of like if you know what relaxation feels like well enough, you can start to feel that anxiety raising at certain times and you can literally say, no, um, I feel it and I'm going to summon relaxation and you can directly oppose it. And, and that's a skill I would love our children to learn. Uh, it, it allows you to be cool headed when other people are, are typically losing it, when they're becoming much more emotional. Uh, and so extremely valuable skill. So I'll mention that it takes practice. It takes some work. Uh, other things that are a little less um, intensive, I often suggest to people um, to, to just become more mindful about activities they already do, but what those activities might do to them mentally. And, and so here's an example. Uh, I learned how to use GarageBand over this period, and I've been wanting mm. to do it for a while. Uh, I've got these songs rattling around my head. GarageBand allows me to actually bring them to life, to turn them into to actual songs. Uh, when I'm in the basement doing that, there is nothing else on my mind. Uh, COVID disappears. It's gone. We all have something like that. And that something is giving us a break from the anxiety response, which means the cortisol stops flowing. Uh, and those breaks are really important. We can't just live with anxiety all the time. So simply learning that, oh, when I watch the news, that makes me more anxious. Okay, so I better be careful and not watch too much news. But this other thing makes me feel, you know, gives brings me away from COVID. Okay, so now let's schedule that into my day. It, it could be like watching a trashy soap opera. If it makes you feel good, if it brings your mind away from COVID, that's medicine. Use it. Um, certain things, I've highlighted this before, certain things have real special mojo. Those are the singing, the dancing, aerobic activity in general. Great time to pick up jogging. Um, great time, by the way, to embrace winter, uh, which is a hard thing to say. But we're Canadians, and the outdoors are relatively safe. So if you can do active things, maybe with your kids, toboggan runs, skiing, you know, walks by the, by the lake or, or whatnot, skating rinks, those outdoor activities, if we combine outdoor with masks, then we can do a lot of things. I'm certainly feeling positive about COVID-19 vaccines, especially at this time, even though they're months away. So how do we stay hopeful even while we still have to take all those public health precautions like wearing masks and practicing physical distancing in the meantime? Yeah, the, I mean, the cool thing is we have reason to feel hope and, and reframing this sometimes can, can really help. And here's a reframing that, you know, I'm sort of lucky to have. Uh, well, I guess I got lucky to have. That's a weird thing to say. But my parents were both, you know, young, sort of 10 to 13 years old, living in Holland, Nazi occupied Holland uh, during World War II. And when you kind of imagine the people living in that situation. Wow. Uh, you know, they had a ton of stress, they had a ton of change to their lifestyle, and they had no idea when it was going to end. They came out of that 
they had a they sort of looked at life a little differently afterwards and i think we're very happy for the for the freedom and and the opportunities that that came uh and so when you kind of think of that situation and you think okay so what are we what do we have well, we have three or four months of, of staying by ourselves. We know that it will end, that it's coming to an end. And maybe we'll come out of this appreciating some things that we didn't appreciate so much when we went into it. Uh, and so I use that sort of mindset to tell myself, you know, don't, don't feel too sorry for yourself the next four months. I mean, even, and this is going to seem extreme and I don't want it to seem uncaring, but those people who feel like they've lost their job right now, you know, have every reason to feel horrible. But the economy will bounce back. I, I firmly think that once we feel safe, I, I call it the great snapback. I think we will go back to our old way of being. And let's say you're a restaurant worker. There will be restaurants a year from now. There will be jobs in restaurants a year from now. And there's every reason to believe that, that you will be back on your feet a, a year from now. We got that year to go through and all the stresses that come with it. But it's different, again, from, say, a wartime situation when, you know, people weren't sure when the economy would, would come back. And, and so I, I, I think some of that reframing can help us get through this. It, it is like a marathon. We're only on mile 18 or something like that. But there's a bright light ahead and just a, a tough tunnel we have to go through to get there. But uh, humans are resilient and, and we'll come out of it OK. I'm banking on that snapback. Steve Jordans, uh, I want to thank you for for speaking with me and and cheering me up. Cool, thanks. Uh, Sounds great. And and thank you very much for uh, having me on the podcast. That was Steve Jordans, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. Here's your dose of smart advice. The holiday season is a time when some people are prone to feeling depressed. COVID-19 is adding to that sense of despair, and it's also adding anxiety to the experience. Public health advice to stay isolated from others could make things worse, especially for those who live alone and are socially isolated. The darkness of winter can bring on seasonal affective disorder in people at risk. Here are some things you can do. Embrace the winter. Bundle up and go outside for a walk, especially at noon on a sunny day. If you're feeling lonely, try reaching out to family or friends in a safe way. You can do that on Zoom or just pick up the phone and call someone. Turns out it's hard to feel anxious and relaxed at the same time. There are all kinds of mindfulness exercises that induce relaxation. Find one that works for you. Think about reaching out safely to others who might be isolated and alone. We know that vaccines will help bring an end to COVID-19 eventually. Still, I know that for many of us, this is a really tough time. It's normal to get weary of the stress of dealing with the pandemic. Remember that it's normal and okay to not feel okay all the time. But if you're experiencing distress or thoughts of self-harm, there is help. There's a list of supports to call or text on this episode's webpage. You can find that at cbc.ca slash whitecoat. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at nightshiftmd or at cbcwhitecoat using the hashtag thedosecbc. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people will find us. This episode of The Dose was produced by Nicole Ireland and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Lauda Antonelli for her technical expertise. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.